Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unified America. In a little bit, we're going to touch on who's the best team in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Is it the Nets? Is it the Sixers? Is it somebody else? And yes, there's a team in the Eastern Conference that I have kind of not become a fan of because of something that's transpired within the last 24 hours. Touch on that in a bit. We're also going to talk a little bit about the New England Patriots. Are they back? Or is this just a bunch of smoke? Probably the most active team out there when it comes to the NFL in the first three, four days or so. Recently. Are they for real? We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I promise we're going to get into a little bit more about fantasy baseball, and I'm going to go position by position. We talked about the top 20 players, which I feel are available. If they are available in each draft, you should grab at each respective position. If you're drafting one, if you're drafting 20, uh, Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Mookie Betts, Jacob DeGrom, one through five, Ronald Acuna, Garrett Cole, Freddie Freeman, Christian Yelich, Francisco Lindor, 6 through 10, Shane Bieber, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, Lucas Giolito, Jose Ramirez, 11 through 15, Alex Bregman, Trevor Story, Raphael Devers, Walker Bueller, Nolan Arenado, 16 through 20. And I think it would be very smart if those players were available at those positions to take them. And certainly if there's a position later on. You take that player. But what I wanted to start out is I wanted to talk about a couple minor things when it comes to fantasy baseball. And one of the things over the last couple of years we've spoken about many times is the value, good or bad, when it comes to Shohei Otani. We know that you're talking about a transcending type of player if he can do what he's been expected to do. And that's pitch, whether it's once a week or every sixth game and go out there and hit bombs in between. And it looks like he has become a an absolute stud as a hitter. He's having a great spring. There's no question he's going to go out there and he's he's going to hit when he's in the lineup, even when he when he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. He went out there and he hit. The question is, is he going to be that two-way player that we dream that he's going to be? Because every fantasy baseball draft, we go through the same thing. We look at it this way and we are excited to say, when? When is it that we're going to take Shohei Otani? Should we take him in the fifth round? Should we wait for a sleeper round? Should we take him before the sleeper round? Because this guy is going to have so much value. Now, as the last couple of years have gone by, we've realized that, that that value has been a little bit overrated. I, personally, if I had a fantasy baseball team, I'd like Shohei Otani on it. I wouldn't go too crazy taking him too early. Because the question is going to be, yes, he's throwing the ball hard. He has not gotten into enough of a rhythm. He hasn't gone out there and made 20 starts yet. And until he does that, I don't know if I can believe in him too much as a two-way player. You want to take him as a designated header? I don't have a problem with it. He's not in my top three when it comes to DHs. But if you want to take him as a designated header with the hopes that maybe he turns it around and you could use him a couple times as a starting pitcher in a couple weeks down over the course of the season and into your fantasy playoffs, I have no problem with it. Just be careful of where you take Otani. Because I think there's going to be a lot of Otani love when it comes to the draft. 
you're going to be enticed if you want to maybe make the, I don't know, win the draft by taking the, the most attractive from a baseball playing standpoint player. A lot of intrigue, a lot of upside. There's a lot of good things that could happen with Shohei Otani, but you want to think about the value of the pick that you're, you're taking him in. Are you thinking of another everyday player that's going to go out there and pop up many more points than Otani is going to do? Yes. From an attractive standpoint, like I said, we're talking about baseball and the ability to do multiple different things. Otani's near the top. You have him on your team, it kind of looks good, but I think it's a little more mirrors than it is by a player that's going to produce the most amount of points for you. My belief is that you're not looking at somebody that's going to win games for you. And if you're playing in a head-to-head standpoint, if you're playing head-to-head, I think it's going to be hard to say that that player is going to win you games. There's going to be other players in the fourth round, in the fifth round, in the sixth round that are going to win you games. So if your draft's a little quiet and nobody's taking Otani as you get into the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round, for, for all means, go for it. But you got to be careful of when you take him because I think it's going to be a, a, a very it's going to, he's going to be a polarizing player. A lot of player, a lot of other you know friends, people in the league are going to say ooh and ah when you when whoever takes him in whatever round it is. Just be careful. Starting pitchers, I've talked about this on the show last week. Are you going to be that intrigued to have to load up on two, three starting pitchers? I think the starting pitcher market has a high ceiling. Some really good pitchers, and then it drops off. In other words, if you're loading up on your starting pitchers in the second half of your draft, it actually might not be a bad plan. You know, the, the thought is, is, hey, you get a couple good position players, and you start thinking about filling out your starting rotation. Well, I'm not ready to start wasting fourth and fifth round picks on starters or only five innings. You're talking about value. You're talking about wins. Listen, a lot of fantasy baseball leagues haven't, tra- haven't changed to honor sabermetric stats as opposed to wins and innings pitched. Innings pitched are going down. Wins are going down because there aren't in innings, you know, as many innings pitched, and the value of the win has gone down. So it's more of a crapshoot. I think in the middle of the road, you can build yourself a decent rotation of consistent pitchers that are going to take the ball every fifth or sixth day. And to maybe play two starts. You know, your two-star weeks, I think, will be valuable. You know, if you're looking for a, a shortened period when it comes to playing games, you, you know, we're down for that, too. And actually, if you're if you're not playing a full-week period and you don't have to worry about two starts, I certainly would not be so interested in whether or not I had a Lance Lynn or a Kenta Maeda in the fourth or fifth round when you can get quality pitchers later on. Yeah, there's been some talk about Madison Bumgarner, a little up, a little down. Where does he rank in a draft like this? Do you, you end up going out there and taking him in a fifth or sixth round? I'd probably try to wait on Mad Bum, but understand, similar to Otani, there's going to be somebody in your league that's going to want him for the name value. And I'd say just be careful. Otani in a fourth or fifth round is not going to give you a lot of value. Same thing I feel with Bumgarner. I think he's going to be decent. I think he goes out there and he makes the majority of his starts. I 
you know, barring injury, I think he's going to be fine. Is he, re, re, you know, resorting back to playoffs 2010 to 2014 Madison Bumgarner? No. So I'd be careful. And I'd be careful with any starting pitcher I take. Unless that pitcher's name is Jacob DeGrom. Unless we're talking about Garrett Cole or Blake Snell. And I am going to start by talking about the top starting pitchers to, to worry about right now. These are the ones you're going to go out there and get. And to me, Jacob DeGrom could be the first pick in your draft, depending on how much you want to have that big pitcher. And there's always going to be somebody in the draft that's going to do that. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be like, I don't care where I pick in the draft, I want my first pick to be a pitcher. And that person is likely to get Jacob DeGrom. Because I don't think there is a close number two. Garrett Cole is decent. Garrett Cole is first round worthy. But outside of that, be careful. Be careful with your Shane Beavers and your Lucas Giolitos and your Walker Buellers and your Lance Lynn's. And the reason I mention them is, in, in my mind, those are the next best pitchers. If I'm going to build a rotation based off of the top starting pitchers that I have on a fantasy baseball team, will be Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Blake Snell, number three, Giolito, four, and Bueller, five. And I pick Snell three because I think he's going to thrive in San Diego. They're they're pretty, uh, you know, understanding of the fact that the Rays didn't use him right, that the Rays were looking to get him out of games. I love the thought of Blake Snell in San Diego, and I may take him a little bit higher than I normally would. If I can't get Degrom, if I can't get Garrett Cole. I'd love to get Blake Snell, particularly if it's later round. If I get him in the second round, I'm thinking of that as a steal. Lucas Giolito is going to be great. Walker Buehler is going to be the best pitcher on the Dodgers staff, and you know both of those teams are going to be good. But outside of that, be careful. You know, there's a lot of love for Tyler Glass now, and I think he's going to be good. The question is going to be how good are the Rays going to be? Are the Rays going to be that good of a baseball team? And you know the Rays, they like to pitch to the numbers as opposed to the talent of the, the baseball player in the back of his baseball card his baseball reference page. So Tyler Glass now could be throwing a, a gem and he could leave after five innings because they're trying to preserve his innings, particularly in the regular season. If the matchup says go to Nick Anderson in the sixth inning, then they're going to do it. So I'd be careful. You know, Glass now certainly a worthy number one starter if you're, if you're playing fantasy baseball. i just be careful of where I got him. Lance Lynn, another pitcher I like. Not taking him second or third round, but if he's anchoring my rotation, I, I don't mind at all. A couple pitchers I'd be very careful of. Zach Gallen is going to get a lot of love from Arizona. He's probably their number one this year. And I talked about Bumgarner a couple minutes ago, and you know what? If the Diamondbacks are going to be good this year, it's going to be off the backs of Gallen and Bumgarner. It's going to be a competitive mill at that division. Who's better, them or the Giants? And I think one team is going to be good and one team is going to be bad. It's hard to pick both of them be around the 500 mark. I think one of them will be. One of them is going to drop to the back of the pack. I don't think anybody's going to be as bad in that division as the Colorado Rockies. But if I'm looking at Zach Gallen, uh, I have a hard time considering him a number one in my fantasy starting rotation. Another pitcher I'd be very careful of. He's getting some love. He hasn't pitched this spring. I think he's going to be okay once he's healthy, once he's going out there consistently. Carlos Carrasco. I have a feeling it's going to be hard to see him make every start over the course of the year. 
You know, Jake's going to be fine. I think Marcus Stroman on a walk year is going to be very good. Tywan Walker, I think, is going to be decent. If there's a pitcher in that Mets rotation and I think may struggle, it may be Carlos Carrasco. Part, part of it's because of the lack of a spring. And I think that's very, very, very important to think about. Yeah, for uh, you know, it's very, very much more important than a lot of other ones. To make sure you're there, maybe you're starting to understand he's a little behind. But you end up pl playing the, uh, hey, here's where these pitchers rank. Carlos Carrasco comes up, and you take him because he's the highest-ranked starting pitcher available. I think you're making a mistake. Now, we talk about relief pitching having a direct relation to starting pitchers not going as deep into games. And we talk about the old rules that exist in fantasy baseball and the value of a save. And a save basically gives a lot of value for the guy that pitches the ninth inning. But we understand that the guy that pitches the ninth inning may not be the most valuable reliever on a given team. And that's why you're watching baseball and it's played differently as you play fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball, like I said, rewarding the wins, rewarding the saves. You're going to be more inclined to want to move towards those numbers. And you could get, you could basically go out there and get a closer that's going to have 30, 40 saves. If you're looking for somebody that's going to have more than a strikeout per nine inning, maybe not give up a ton of runs, uh, it's hard to kind of back off of my top two, which is Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks. These guys are pitching for good teams. The Brewers are going to be good. White Sox, I think, are going to be one of the best teams in baseball. They're going to be pitching the ninth inning. I think they're going to get a ton of strikeouts. If you, you know, where do you go and pick a closer? Maybe a little bit earlier. Like I said, maybe I'm not willing to overinvest in starting pitching. Maybe relies in or you know ends up making the fact that you're going to take a reliever a little bit earlier. There's a little bit of a drop off. If I'm Drew Pomerantz, I think he could have a good year. As a closer for the Padres, the team is expected to win a lot of games. The question in L.A., is it going to be Blake Trinan? Is it going to be Kenley Jensen? I think those are pitchers that you could look at in a later part of drafts and say, hey, has anybody taken them yet? But be careful. Relievers have more value, but I don't know if taking a reliever in a fifth or sixth round is going to be the reason you win a championship. That being said... Be careful. Be careful with who you end up with. Karinchak is the closer for the Cleveland Indians. He's getting a lot of love. He's a guy that's going to throw high 90s. He's going to get a lot of strikeouts. But let me ask you this. Are the Indians going to be good this year? Because if they're not, you might be wasting a pick by taking Karinchak as, a, as your closer. Same thing with Trevor Rosenthal. The Athletics basically gutted their all their, all their free agents ended up going. Now, you look at Trevor Rosenthal, great year last year, certainly ended well with San Diego. He's going to go out there. He's going to put up good numbers. I think so. He's going to be decent. I think he's got the control. I think he's back. My issue in being down on Trevor Rosenthal isn't about Trevor Rosenthal. It's about the athletics. How are they going to use their bullpen? They got a handful of other guys there. They may play matchups a little bit more. And Rosenthal still... Coming off of injury, may not be pitching two, three, four times a week. And how good are the athletics? 
they went dumpster diving in the last week or two of free agency with 10 million bucks and spread it across four or five players. I don't know if that's a championship pedigree. I think the Angels are going to be better. I'd, I'd sleep on the Astros too. I wouldn't sleep on them. I think they're not a they're not a bad team. I know there's no Springer and Reddick in the outfield replacing them with Straw and Tucker. Correa's on a walk here. No Verlander this year. They got good news about Framber Valdez. Dusty Baker's a good manager. I think he's going to get the most out of those players. And I'm not looking at a deep division. Seattle Mariners may win a couple more games than expected. But I'd be careful if I took Rosenthal as my closer, especially too early. Now, a couple closers I'd be interested in. Kirby Yates with Toronto. Rosello Iglesias with the Angels. I think you got an old-school manager, Joe Madden, that's going to operate the ninth inning with his ninth inning guy. And Iglesias could go you know, more than three outs if he's, if he's needed, as we well know from his time with the Reds. I think he's going to have a good year. And I think if the if I'm picking the Angels to win the division, I'm picking Raziel Iglesias to maybe be up there in saves. Now, does that mean he's the best reliever? Obviously, we're talking about two different things. Fantasy baseball values the save. So I'm looking at Iglesias. I'm looking at Kirby Yates. And I think those are guys that are going to be up amongst the top when it comes to saves. And they're going to have averaging over a strikeout per inning. So we're done with pitching. Now I'm going to think of designated hitter. If I could take Nelson Cruz, I'm taking Nelson Cruz. Jordan Alvarez is my next pick. J.D. Martinez after that. It's hard to think when it comes to sleepers amongst the DH position because there's a lot of players that end up playing the position over time. Obviously, you know, there's going to be one interleague game every day because there's an odd number of teams in each league, and there has been for a while. I'd watch for J.D. Martinez. I think he could, he could very quietly have a great year. Uh, there's another Boston Red Sox player I'm very high on this year, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And if that player and J.D. Martinez catch fire at the same time for the same year, I think the Red Sox will be very much improved. Uh, we'll go to catcher. And I'm going to breeze through these positions real quick. We'll get into a couple other points. And, of course, anything else that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America uh, Jennifer actually reaches out, and uh, thanks thanks for tuning in to the show. Um, her question is, are women's sports ever going to get the same respected following as men's sports? And I think that's a great topic to bring up. It really is. And I wish I would have thought of it on my own. Um, you think of the value of women's sports and... It's not, to me, I don't think it's a discrimination issue. I don't think it's a lack of respect for women issue. What do we look at when it comes to popularity? When you look at the ability to move the needle, whether, whether we're thinking of The Bachelor or any other popular show, it's, it's popular because a bunch of people tune into it. It's not because it's, you know, they're trying to make sure that women are being respected or any other group that considers themselves a minority is being respected and not being discriminated against. Sports are polarizing. Sports are what you think of turning on when they're when you know in the middle of a Saturday or a Sunday. And the problem right now is there isn't a women's sport out there that has grabbed the national attention to a point where not just the diehards, not just the casual fans, but 
the rank and file people that are sports fans are looking for a major network on a Saturday and Sunday to watch a particular event. Serena Williams is an outstanding athlete, is in my opinion, the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Certainly is, is going to be considered one of the greatest champions of all time. The UConn basketball team under Gina Oriyama and all the young ladies and women that have been part of that program for years. Uh, you know, they've done incredible things. It's one of the, the greatest winning franchises or schools in the history of professional sports. You got the W you got the women's college, I'm sorry, the women's Olympic soccer team. Got a ton of attention. They were unable to build upon that in the WUSA when they created the soccer league. I think the problem is, is when you think of soccer, you even think of men's soccer. Men's soccer in the United States has not picked up. And it's not for a lack of interest, it's not a lack for a lack of trying. The United States have brought in some of the greatest executives in the history of soccer from all over the world to try to build a sustained product of competitive professional soccer to be played in the United States. And unfortunately, that hasn't happened. So I think my best answer, Jennifer, is time. I think you're going to have to give it time. I think you're going to have to allow for the sports individually, especially the WNBA, to continue to grow and you know to have some more storylines have you know certain players dominate have performances in a game that you, know, you haven't seen before and unfortunately rome wasn't built in a day it's not it's something that i can't i can't go create a sport and go out there and expect everybody to go out there and love it every now and then you get lucky something that's never been done before it all of a sudden becomes popular Mostly in television shows, mostly in music, but very seldom in a world of sports does something come out and instantly become a hit. You know, think of the XFL. I was one of the few people that gave a damn about the XFL, especially with the pandemic and the coronavirus. You knew that it wasn't going to last. But any professional football league that's competed with the NFL or not competed with the NFL is out of business in a couple of years. Part of it is the lack of following. You know, it's, it's hard to build a consistent following. You can get a loyal following. The people that are following your sport can be the most loyal in the world. But when it comes to sustained loyalty and bringing in new fans, and like I said, getting the casuals to come in and show up at the stadium more and talk about it and have a talk show like this and somebody say, hey, you know, let's talk about the, the Liberty game last night. It's something that takes time. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I think I think we can get there. But I mean I mean if a follow-up question could be is there is it a, a direct relationship between uh, you know respecting women? I, I think that's a different subject. I think you could respect women and uh, the WNBA could still not be popular. Popularity I I don't think you know, ranks anywhere when it comes to, you know, respect. And I think you just need to, they need to continue to publicize the sports. Uh, it's great that, the you know, there's a professional women's hockey league out there now. Just promote it, promote it. You know, women's college basketball, their tournament, promote it, promote it. 
you know, if I see it, I'm interested enough to look at it. But the question is, you, know, you got the diehards, you got the casuals. You know you're getting somewhere when you get people that don't normally have an interest in it flipping on the television and watching that game. So I hope that answers your question, Jennifer. Thank you. So we're talking once again fantasy baseball. I'm going to run through this quick because we're, we're running a little low on time today. And I made this a two-part episode as we talk about everybody's, you know, fantasy drafts that are coming up in a little bit. And you know we're going to have them soon. And, you know, you don't, I don't think you want to go crazy because I think there is a decent amount of depth in this draft. I think you should target certain players that you want to try to have on your team. And just like advice that I could give you for any draft, you know, don't don't make like you have to have everybody. You know, you, you can't have the best player at every position. If you do, I feel bad for your league because other people aren't doing their job. Understand that there are some great players that you're going to let go by the wayside and go to other teams. Make your picks count. When it comes to catcher, JT Realmuto to me is a solid number one. You could make a case that he could take him in the second round, third round. He's going to be your highest selected catcher, likely, unless in some weird keeper format he's kept. Wilson Contreras, I think this is a big year for him. You think of some of the players that have moved from the Chicago Cubs and the little difference in philosophy in regards to not having such a high payroll. I think he could go out there and have a, a big season. And Yasmani Grandal, winning team, south side of Chicago. They're going to be good. He's going to be playing more games because there's no James McCann to back him up. Speaking of James McCann, be careful. Be careful. Unless you don't have a catcher in the latter part of the draft, I wouldn't waste any bit of a, value, a valuable pick on James McCann. You can love the Mets. You can love the signing of James McCann. We could talk about that all day, how you think it's a good signing. I don't think it was. That being said, you don't wanna you don't wanna use a valuable pick on James McCann. Somebody that I would be willing to over time if he's available take is Austin Nola, catcher for the San Diego Padres. He may be sharing some time with Victor Caratini, but I think he showed some power last year. A deep San Diego lineup with a good all around team. You end up Snagging him later on, it might not be a bad sleeper pick. First base, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt, Jose Abreu. To me, it's a consensus one through three. If there's somebody that I'm buying a little bit, it's in P it is Pete Alonzo. So I knocked the Mets catcher, but I think the Mets first baseman, you let some time go by and nobody's taking him. I think you're going to get a little respect if you take Pete Alonzo and use your first baseman. I'd be a little down on Joey Votto. Joey Votto, listen, you could talk about how many years Joey Votto has been a first-round pick. I think he is gradually breaking down a little bit. Now, do you not select Joey Votto if he's in the 14th or 15th round? I think you get to a certain point if you're c configuring your bench and you want to have somebody available. I, I don't know if he even has value there. I'd be very careful when I took Joey Votto if I took him at all. Second base, DJ LeMahieu, Whit Merrifield, Cattell Marte. Those will be my top three. Um, if I'm looking for a sleeper, watch out for Keston Hira. The uh, second baseman, now first baseman with Colton Wong there of the Milwaukee Brewers. 
He's going to get second base eligibility. I think he is a tremendous, tremendous hitter. He could go out there and hit 320, 330 this year with some power. Um, I'd keep an eye on him. Get to a certain part of a draft and, you know, her isn't taken. I'd want him on my team. Uh, who am I down on? Jose Altuve. I'm not necessarily thinking trash can, cheating, you know, the using the monitors of the replays for your advantage. No, I'm not thinking about that. I just think it was a player that's gradually digressing, going through natural depreciation. And he's another guy that's going to get a lot of high value. I think CBS and ESPN and the different fantasy baseball leagues are going to rank him a little bit higher than he belongs. And if I'm following the top-ranked players, I, I may not, I may want to pass on Jose Altuve if I could. Third base, Arenado, Bregman, Rendon. But I'd be very, very careful of when I took Jose Ramirez. I did rank him top 20. And at some point, you're going to look at it and be like, man, I can't pass up on Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is a 300 hitter. He hits for power. He drives in runs. Yeah, it's probably not a bad, it's probably not a bad selection. Pat says, nice tie. Thank you. But I look at my third baseman, and if I'm looking for a sleeper, it's certainly Raphael Devers. I kind of teased this moment before when I was talking about J.D., as a DH, I think he's going to have a big year in Boston. I think Raphael Devers is going to break out. He's going to be a 3,100 guy. He's going to hit for some power. He's going to drive in some runs. He's going to score some runs. That would be my sleeper amongst third basemen. Like I said, Jose Ramirez, be careful. Jose Ramirez might not hurt you. But if, if I'm coming home in a deep draft with 10 or more teams and I take Jose Ramirez as my first pick and I'm waiting a while before I pick my second player, you know, there's a lot of good players that are going to be off the board. A lot of better valued players than Jose Ramirez are going to be off the board. And fellow teams and players in your league are going to have two good players when you're sitting there wondering exactly how good Jose Ramirez is. He's been good. He's going to put up numbers. But you can do better. Shortstop. Fernando Tatis. Francisco Lindor. And my third is Tim Anderson. There's a lot of really good shortstops short out there. Carlos Correa, Javi Baez, Trevor Story. They're not bad picks. Shortstop's probably the deepest position in the entire sport. So if you play your cards right, you should end up with a good shortstop just by default. But I think Tatis is the most dynamic player. I think he's got a chance to be one of the top players in all Major League Baseball. Lindor. May or may not be playing in a contract year. You know, once the season starts, if he hasn't signed an extension with the New York Mets, it's officially a contract year. I think regardless, he's going to be good. He's coming off of a down season. I think he's thinking about that. He's become a leader on his new team, and he's going to be a good player. Tim Anderson, I'll tell you, if you took Tim Anderson in the second or third round, you wouldn't be making a mistake. You're looking at a batting champion type player. With a little flair. You know, he's going to take the bat after he hits a home run and throw it into the stands. But the bottom line is, this is a guy that can hit. And maybe, maybe you think of him as a sleeper. If you want to pass on Story, you want to pass on Correa, you want to pass on Baez. You want to look at a fourth or fifth round and steal yourself a Tim Anderson. That might not be a bad value move. 
But my sleeper pick when it comes to shortstops is Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette has done nothing but hit since he's come up to the major leagues. He's got a Toronto team that is expected to compete this year. They got some depth. George Springer, Vlad Jr., they got some pitching. Bo Bichette's going to put up some numbers. So if you're in the 7th, 8th, ninth round and you don't have a shortstop, you take Bo Bichette, you might settle for your position. If I'm worried about somebody, it might be somebody like a Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson has kind of hung out in the category of some of the really good shortstops. He's not hit enough. I think you're going to get production. This is not a player that's going to put you over the top. You're not going to win championships with Dansby Swanson unless your entire rest of the team is stacked. So we've done it. We've gone through every position. Once again, the past ball show by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey. Today's passion food look at Scrap Pennsylvania. I'm going to get you a couple quick points. Nets um, are 76ers at this point. You know the Sixers are playing without Joel Embiid. The Nets are playing right now without Kevin Durant. Blake Griffin has it. Blake, Blake Griffin. Man, my speech impediment is killing me today. Blake Griffin is not going to be playing a little while. Spencer Dinwiddie's out for the season. But the question's going to be how much... Are they going to be able to build with just James Harden? James Harden and Kyrie. You ask yourself, Kyrie Irving, is, is he motivated? Does he want to play? Well, since the Nets have made a James Harden trade, we haven't seen any issues with Kyrie. He hasn't gone AWOL. It looks like he's motivated. It looks like he wants to play. It looks like he wants to help lead this team. And listen, the combination of him and Harden have been way better than we could ever imagine. I thought... You're thinking three's a crowd. Maybe the Nets are helped out a little bit with Duran out, allowing Harden and Kyrie to kind of connect at the hip. They've been an absolute pleasure to watch. But the question's going to be, Blake works himself into rotation, maybe takes a couple minutes away from DeAndre Jordan. That's not a big deal. Durant comes in. You imagine a floor with Durant and Harden and Kyrie. That's going to be great. Are they going to be able to divvy up the scoring properly? Are they fighting over shots? Who's going to play defense? Harden's going to distribute the ball, we've, we've figured out. Durant's going to be counted on to play defense. I like this team. The question is, and one of the things you got to look at, 76ers don't look half bad, even without Embiid in there. And I think this is a deep team. I think the 76ers are quietly not getting the attention that they deserve. Doc Rivers has held that squad together. You know, you look at Harris, Tobias Harris, and Simmons. Danny Green very quietly has played well for them. Danny Green, you know, the guy that plays for everybody. Remember the old uh, Terry Cashman song, Talking Baseball? Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. That's Danny Green in the NBA. Yeah, Seth Curry's going to give you a little scoring, a little date, and beads the key for him. Dwight Howard's played a very small role, but a very important role for him. From a depth standpoint, I think they're there. There's a reason they're tied for the best record in Eastern Conference right now. But you're, you're going to put that figurative gun to my head right now and say I have to pick one. Who am I believing in more? And it's hard to make that decision now. Sixers win Embiid, sure. 
nets with Durant, sure. Are both of those players coming back and going to be at full strength helping their team? Blake Griffin, I think from a star standpoint, from a name recognition standpoint, is going to turn some heads. I don't know how much better he's going to make the Nets, though. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, he's not there to be a scorer. Blake isn't going to be there to be a scorer. Blake is probably understanding since he got let go from his contract with the Detroit Pistons. He got bought out. Understands he's not coming to the Nets to be a star player. I don't know how much he really helps them. I don't know how much of a need that's the Nets filling. But now, once again, it's about the rich getting richer in the NBA. The great teams, the top teams in the NBA are going to be able to take advantage of players that get bought out by not-so-good teams. So you're going to see the Lakers add players like this. The 76ers should. Uh, one of the things that just transpired within the last 24 hours that I did want to throw a take on there because you, know, you ask me how I feel about the NBA, and there's, there's things about the NBA that I like. You think about the development of teams like the Nets and the Sixers, some star power, some legitimacy in the Eastern Conference. If either one of those teams was in the NBA Finals, I wouldn't rule them out. I believe in either one of those teams playing the Lakers or anybody. So there's still there's things that I like. One of the things I don't like is just the control that the players have in the league. You've heard me talk about how players get coaches fired all the time. It's up to the star players who they want to be their head coach. How do you be a coach in the NBA if you, you don't have any control? Players don't respect you. Players know they're more valuable than you. The players know that they're going to last longer than you if shit hits the fan. So I, I, I don't like that. The other thing I can't, I despise, and I'm not even going to say I don't like, I hate it, is players that get disgruntled because their team's not doing any good. If your team's not doing any good, odds are you have a little say in it. And my message to P.J. Tucker is you whined and cried your way out of Houston while the team's losing game after game. Take yourself out of the lineup because you don't want to play anymore instead of trying to make that team better. And now you go, and now you're playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. And guess what? I, I, li I like the Bucks. I like Giannis. I think Giannis has become one of the great players in the NBA. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Guess what? I ain't rooting for the Bucs. I don't want P.J. Tucker to win. P.J. Tucker whined and cried his way off of a lousy Houston team. And it may not have all been his fault. Maybe you blame James Harden a little bit. If James Harden hadn't bitched and complained his way out of there. Maybe they win a couple more games. And P.J. Tucker knows he's not, a, he's not a Harden. He's not a Russell Westbrook. He's not a John Wall. He's not an Adelipo. He's not in that category. He's a complimentary player. So he knows he can't single-handedly make the Rockets better. But you know what he could have done? He could have gone out there and given a little effort. He could have gone out there played a little defense. He could have gone out there and hit a couple shots. Instead... Hey, you know what? I'm not going to play. Hey, Steven Silas, what does P.J. Tucker get off refusing to play? Who is he? Does he all of a sudden think he's LeBron James? Does he think he's James Harden? Is he in that kind of qualification when it comes to an NBA player? P.J. Tucker, 
He's lucky if he's a starter with the Bucs. And he's going to dictate whether or not he's going to play? P.J. Tucker should have been released. P.J. Tucker should have been blackballed from the league. Where does a half-assed player that ain't even very good on a terrible team, where does he get the right to dictate when and where he plays? And he gets what he wants. It's impossible to root for P.J. Tucker. And I don't care if he was here with me as part of my show. We'd have to get over the fact that he just refused to play basketball. Last thing I want to touch on, NFL free agency. You're getting a lot of activity, obviously. Free agency period has started over the last couple of days. The Patriots look like they're getting better. They got they got, got John Hu from the Titans. They got Hunter Henry from the Chargers. They added a couple receivers. Judon's over here from uh, from Baltimore. A lot, how many times you hear Bill Belichick is sick of losing? He doesn't have to say that. There's a hundreds and thousands of people that are saying that right now. Does that make the Patriots the team to beat in the AFC East? And I'm not so sure. I'm really not. I think the Bills are going to be good. Bills got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, though. They're going to be challenged by every team in that division. Whether, is it the Dolphins? Is it the Jets? Do they end up with Deshaun Watson? One of those teams will. Maybe. Assuming that the Texans trade them. If you're putting that figurative gun to my head, making me make a call, which, by the way, I still didn't pick Sixers or Nets. You like how I kind of smoothed my way out of there? Like I said, you say, hey, it's going to go off and I'm going to die if I pick the wrong team. I'll take Nets, but I wouldn't rule out the Sixers. And I would, if I took Nets, I wouldn't be surprised if my brains, my brains got blown out. But are, are the Patriots the team to beat in that division? Again, you think of the reputation of Bill, and that's going to carry some weight. A lot of pressure on Cam Newton this year. He's got two tight ends. He's got a couple better receivers. He's got good defensive players. Every day, Patriots are getting better. Listen, if Cam could go out there and perform, if Josh McDaniels and Belichick and the whole offensive scheme there could figure out what works for Cam the best at this stage of his pro football career, they could do some good things there. Watch out for the Bills, though. Bills are going to think that they're getting disrespected. There's going to be a lot of Pats talk. Like I said, Jets, Dolphins, either one of those teams swoops in and gets Deshaun Watson. They're going to get a lot more national attention than the Buffalo Bills. And I think just because of that, the Bills are going to go out there and they're going to be angry. The Bills are going to feel like they're getting disrespected. The Patriots, yeah, on paper they're better. How's the quarterback? Can the Patriots fix Cam Newton? We'll see. I'm going to put some uh, fantasy baseball information up on my johnpeeley.com website so you can check it out if there's anything you missed today. Top three ranks at each position. We got some, uh, you know what, we didn't do outfielders. I forgot. I can't believe I missed it. But I'll give you a nine outfielders, two ups and two downs before we get going here. Outfielders, obviously Trout, Juan Soto. Some people have said Juan Soto is in the best player in baseball discussion. 
Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Christian Yelich. Then I'd go Bryce Harper, Luis Robert, or Luis Robert, however you want to call it today. Michael Conforto and Cody Bellinger. That would be my top nine outfielders, three at each position. You want to give me two sleepers? I'll give you two. Aaron Judge. He's coming off of injuries over the last couple of years. It sucked. It's been tough. If you're an Aaron Judge fantasy baseball fan, you're, you're, you don't want to make a mistake of taking him too early. But I think Aaron Judge has been great, man. And then I also look at Will Myers. San Diego, he gets a little PT there. Everybody has forgotten how good of a power hitter he is. I, I'd be really careful when I took him. But if I'm sitting here around 14, 15, 16, and Will Myers is still out there, I think he's a guy that you could get low, you could buy for low and get a lot of value out of Who am I staying away from? It's a player that stole a postseason last year. A lot of talk about him in the World Series. And that's Randy Rosarena. And I think he's going to be a regular. I think he's going to put up numbers. I think he's a little overrated. Be careful. So people say, hey, watch out for this guy in the World Series. You might want to take him. You take him too high, I tell you. You're going to watch the rest of your league get better right before your eyes. And I don't know if a Rosarina is going to be that transcending talent yet. Maybe in a couple years. Charlie Blackman, he always gets a lot of love early in drafts. Great start. Looked like he was going to hit 400 last year and it fell off the face of the earth. I think he's depreciating. I'd stay away from him if I can. You know, so if you're looking to name your team Token Blackman, you might want to wait a little while before you take Charlie Blackman in your draft. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you Saturday, talking about everything going on in the world of baseball, sports, and you're going to find America. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.